Well, good morning and welcome to Emmanuel. How are you guys feeling today? I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses right now, our Garfield Park campus, our Bandit campus, our Franklin campus, our online campus, our microsites. Will you welcome everyone watching today, our online campus. So good to be here with you today. We are wrapping up. Actually, we're not. That's next week. We're not wrapping up this series. We have one more week. We're in a series right now called Internal Enemies. And the big idea in this series so far, if you've been coming for a while, is that there are far more things inside of us that can hurt us than there are outside of us. We are many times our own worst Enemies, And we've been talking about things like envy and jealousy and anger and anxiety and shame. And, and hopefully you've been, I've given you some tools to really battle some of these internal enemies. Has this been helpful so far in this series? Awesome. Okay. All right. I'll need to preach a little better. Give you some more tools. Uh, today we're going di- to dive into this issue called insecurity. Internal enemy number five, insecurity. It's one we all deal with. Let me give you a definition of what insecurity is super quick so we know what we're talking about. Insecurity is uncertainty about oneself or lack of confidence. Now, it's, in- it's intuitive to think that people that are on their game, people who are in the top of their field, people who are doing the best of the best in their situation do not struggle with insecurity. But is that true? No, it's not. Every single person battles with some sort of insecurity, even those who are at the top of their game. Sandra Bullock, some of you know who she is. She's a famous actor. New York, uh, the Times Magazine put her in the list of the top 100 most influential people in the world. Here's what Sandra Bullock had to say. Sure, I'm an optimistic, joyous person, but I'm also afraid and, say it with me, insecure. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how beautiful you are, how rich you are, how famous you are, how influential you are, every single one of us at some level deals with insecurity. Now, most of our insecurity is due to something on our bodies. Do you agree? There's something about our body we don't like, yes? Hair, teeth, skin, shape, size, height, weight, you name it. There's something about our body. How many of you have something about your body just that makes you insecure, yes? How many of you have two things about your body that makes you insecure? All right, how many have three things on your body that makes you insecure? Yeah, we, I mean, this is, uh, it's just, it's an issue for us. You know, it could be hair or lack of hair. It could be foot size, right? I mean, so I talked about that last week, you know, the size of your feet. It could be the, the length of your legs. I mean, you, anything that is, seems to be abnormal about your body makes us feel uncertain about ourselves. But it doesn't have to be just our bodies. We could, we, our jobs could make us insecure. Like, we don't make enough. We don't make what other people make. You know, the type of job that we have is not normal or whatever. Or maybe we don't have a job, and so that makes us insecure. You know, our skill set can make us insecure. It's not much that we're really good at. We're only good at a few things, so we feel insecure about that. Or our level of intelligence, you know, we, I didn't go to college or I didn't get the degree and that can make us insecure. Our lack of experience can make us insecure. I've never been, I haven't been in business for very long. I, I've not done this for very long. I mean, it's not just our bodies. Lots of things can make us feel insecure and cause us to, to lack confidence. Where does this come from? What is the root issue of insecurity. Remember, in order to fight these internal enemies, we got to figure out what is their source. I believe one of the major sources of insecurity is comparison. Insecurity is rooted in comparison. Never before has it been easier to look at what other people have, what they're doing, what, where they've gone, what, what kind of shoes they have. 
and because of social media. Remember, we said last week, people put their, their highlights on social media. They don't put their real life on social media. And then we look at that, we're like, man, I, my kids don't look like theirs. And, you know, we don't get to go on vacations like they do. And how come they get to go out to eat and I don't? And we, and we just, we sort of compare our lives to other people. And that makes us feel insecure about ourselves. Another source of insecurity in our lives is past failures. Past failures. You know, we fail in a marriage or we fail in a business or we got fired from a job or we didn't finish the degree or whatever, whatever. Something has happened in life where we, we, we came up short. We messed up. We got rejected by somebody. I remember when I was in college, I decided to take a two-year dating fast because I was trying to learn how to be a Christian and trying to learn how to date. And I, didn't, I didn't know how to treat a female at that time. So I said, I'm just not going to date anybody which was difficult at Liberty University because there were beautiful women all over the place, if you've ever been there. Uh, and godly ones too, which made it even harder. So, so, so two years, two years went by and I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm a junior in college. And so I asked this one girl out, her, her, I won't tell you her name, but uh, we, I took her to the football game, which, you know, nice casual date. After I walk her back to her dorm, I was like, oh, that was really nice. You know, you want to do it again next Saturday? She's like, no. I was, I mean, again, I'm coming off two years of no dating here. So I'm like rusty or whatever. Uh, you haven't kissed a girl, haven't touched, I mean, nothing, right? So, so I walk back to my dorm that day. I'm like, wow, oh, what did I say? What did I do? Okay, get yourself together. You know, so, so I, I muster up the courage to, to ask this, this next girl out. Her name was, I won't tell you her name, but anyway, <laughs> we went out to coffee. I thought it was mutual. Like I thought she was pretty. I thought she liked me or whatever. And she said yes to the date. So we went on the date. We had coffee. And, and after the date was over, you know, uh, I walked her back to her dorm again. I was like, man, I had a really good time. You know, would, would you like to do that again? No. She told me she liked this guy named Josh. I knew who Josh was. He was like 5'8". You know, he was kind of cute. But I'm like 6'3". I'm like, come on! I'm so much more of a man than he is. I was thinking that. I didn't say it. Rejection number two. So then I asked this third girl out. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm starting to plunge into the insecure. I'm getting more and more insecure. Like, God, do you want me to be single or something? Like, what's going on? And so I asked this third girl out. Girl out and, and I thought I was super clear about what I wanted. I said, hey, let's meet at this restaurant. You know, blah, 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 blah. I got dressed up. I, I put some cologne on. I never put cologne on. I was so excited. I get there. And she brought a group of friends with her. To the restaurant. She thought it was a group date. I'm like, what is going on? And so I was like, obviously she didn't want to like be with me alone or whatever. So, man, I was just rejected, rejected, rejected. Finally, you know, I was like, I think, I think, I, I, I don't think I'm supposed to get married. I don't think I'm supposed to be with somebody. You know, I was just so insecure. I'm so thankful that I overcame that insecurity and that I asked Jackie out on a date because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be married today and I wouldn't be here today. So, but insecurity, man, your past, past failures can really cause you to hesitate and, and think twice and, and, and not, not, uh, not move into a direction that God may have for you. Past failures is, is another cause of insecurity in our lives. I think other people's opinions is another one. Other people's opinions. A coach, a parent, mostly our friends, what they say about us, what they say about our skill set, what they say about our body, what they say about our abilities can really be a, a, a root cause of insecurity in our lives. When I moved into my freshman year of high school, um, I developed a severe case of acne. Anybody else? This thing called puberty hit me and it hit me hard. I became a greasy teenager. 
And I was a baseball player, and, and, and of course I was a catcher, which meant I had to wear a mask, which meant the mask was always on my face, which was dirty and made it even worse. And so I had all this acne on my face, and um, you know, I would get those big old zits that would rent space on your nose, you know what I'm saying? Like, they'd be there for like four or five days, like, they just plant roots down, like, we're going to be here for a while. Like, it got so bad, like, my acne got so bad, I would literally, I would literally tell my mom, I'm not going to school today. That's how insecure I was about my face. And a lot of it was triggered by this, one day I was at lunch, freshman year of high school, and I'm sitting there, and, and uh, a friend of mine, at least I thought she was a friend of mine, was, started talking about me, and I was sitting there, I didn't say anything. I was just listening. And I had went to kindergarten with this girl, and all the way up to high school. And she said to somebody else at the table, you know, have you seen Danny's face lately? And I'm like, oh gosh, they're talking about me. She says to her friends, it looks like a pepperoni face. I'm telling you, I wanted to crawl into a hole and never come out. And it made me even, I was already insecure about it. It made me that much more insecure. I mean, you take your face everywhere, right? You can't go anywhere without your face. That's a problem if this is the problem, right? Other people's opinions can really cause us to be insecure about ourselves, a lack of confidence. We can't stay there. We cannot stay in insecurity. It really will take us out. Let me give you five reasons why we need to work through this internal enemy. Number one, we'll stop trying new things. If we're insecure, we will not apply for that position. We will not apply for the scholarship. We won't try out for the team. We won't ask the girl out. We won't, we won't, we won't try anything new because, gosh, ooh, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skilled enough. And so we, we, we may miss the person we're supposed to marry because of insecurity. We may miss the job we're supposed to have because of insecurity. We cannot stay in this spot. I think we also need to overcome insecurity because our relationships will struggle. Our relationships will struggle. It's tough to be in a relationship with an insecure person. They're so needy. Have you noticed? Like, do you like me? Am I okay? Are we all right? They're so insecure about themselves. They're, they're always needing affirmation and, and it's like you have to drag them. Yes, I'm fine with you. Will you shut up? Let's go. <laughs> relationships struggle. Insecure people. You know, they're, they're, they're tough to, they, they can't get their minds off themselves. They're so insecure. I think another reason we need to overcome insecurity is because we, can, we have a tendency, insecure people have a tendency to attach themselves to, to things and stuff. They're so insecure that they'll, they'll turn to the new iPhone or, the, or, or, or a new pair of shoes or a new car or a new house and, and, and because they need something to assuage, you know, calm the insecurities inside of them. And if it's not a house or a car or a phone or shoes or whatever, it's a person. I remember as a high school pastor, I was a high school pastor of this church for five years and I remember seeing these high school students go through one, one weekend they'd have a boyfriend and the next weekend they'd have a different boyfriend. <laughs> it's like, well, what happened? Well, he broke up with me, so I got a new one. You know, and vice versa, boys and girls. And it's like, well, why can't you just live a week without a boyfriend? Well, I can't do that. <laughs> Everybody at school says you have to be a boyfriend. Do you like me? Do you like me? And you know where it, what it was rooted in? It was rooted in insecurity, just attaching my, at least I have a boyfriend. At least I have a girlfriend. At least I'm somebody, right? So insecure that they'll just date anybody. Are you available? Are you available? Do you like me? Write each other notes. <laughs> Check the box when you go out. <laughs> have you done this? It's all rooted in insecurity. I think another reason we need to come up, uh, overcome insecurity is because it turns us into nasty people. Like insecure people become nasty. They just, they just lash out at other people. I mean, it's, the world is so filled with, with nastiness today. Where is it all coming from? Of course, yes, people are mean, that's fine. But I think, where does the meanness come from? 
I think it comes from an insecure, we're insecure about ourselves. So once we see anybody do anything good or succeed or move forward, we can't be happy for them. We just tear them down. And really what we're, we're really talking, when we do that, we're really revealing how we feel about ourselves. Like you can't, you can't succeed. Let me tear you down. Let me, let me question you. Let me, let me bash you. Let me criticize you. Especially on social media today because you can stay, you know, somewhat distant or behind the scenes. Insecure people become very, very nasty. Insecure people also become extremely selfish. Like everything's about them. Every conversation they're in is about them. Why? Because they're, am I, am I okay? People like my hair. How about my hair? My nails and my pants. I mean, what's going on? Everything is about them. Every scenario, every conversation, every room they enter into is about them because they're uncertain about themselves. Insecure people do not have the ability to press pause and empathize with you. How's it going today in your life? How's it, in your, how's it going in with your mom, with your job? They can't because they're, they, need, they need you to affirm them constantly. And I don't want to be that type of person. Do you? Anybody? Nasty, uncertain, tough to be around, never trying new things. That's why we need to deal with this issue of insecurity. So what we're going to do is dive into a story from the Old Testament in the book of Judges. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> There's a book in the Bible called Judges? Yeah, it's in the Old Testament. And it's a great story in the book of Judges that I want to pull two principles out of to help us overcome this internal enemy of insecurity. So Judges, let me give you the situation of what's going on in Judges. The context is simply this. Israel was going through this phase. They would go through phases. Israel is God's people. They're his chosen people. And they would obey him for a while. And then they would disobey him. And then God would give them over to like some other nation. And they would become slaves. And sometimes be forced out of their land. And then they would cry out to God and say, we're sorry. And then he would send a, a, like a, a deliverer. Like anybody heard of the name Samson before? Samson was one of the deliverers. And they would come back. And then they would be okay for a while and obey for a while. And then they disobey again. And the cycle would repeat. Well, in this story, we're going to hit one of these cycles where the Israelites have been handed over to a group of people called the Midianites and they were vicious brutal people and they're crying out to God they're asking God for mercy and so God raises up a guy named Gideon to be their rescuer or their judge and so that's where we're going to pick up this story in Judges chapter 6 I want you to see what happens and what is said God sends an angel to Gideon the angel of the Lord, and this is what the angel of the Lord says to Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. How interesting. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is this. In order to help us overcome insecurity, God is going to relabel you. God is going to relabel. You must allow God to relabel you. Mighty hero, he says. To which Gideon responds and says, if the Lord is with us, you know, why have you handed it over to the Midianites and where's all the miraculous power? Delivered, you delivered us from the power of the Egyptians and Pharaoh. You know, why are we still slaves? Listen to how the angel of the Lord responds in verse 14. Go with the strength that you have, Gideon. The strength that I've put inside of you and rescue Israel from the Midianites, I am sending you. Doesn't even respond to Gideon's rebuttal or, or, or his, his objection. Mighty hero. Why does God say that? Why is the first thing out of his mouth mighty hero? Here's why. Watch Gideon's response in verse 15. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan... 
is the, say it with me, the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. There's 12 tribes. They're in the tribe of Manasseh. Inside this tribe, there's all these different clans. My clan is the smallest clan within the whole tribe of Manasseh. On top of that, I am the, say it with me, the least in my entire family. Smallest clan, smallest person inside of the clan. You got the wrong guy. (laughs) You must be looking for somebody else because there's no mighty hero here. What was Gideon's problem? Insecurity, wasn't it? A lack of confidence in himself. You know, we tend to live from our labels, don't we? Remember back in high school, some of you are still in high school, maybe college. You get a label from your friends, from a teacher, from a coach, from somebody. One of mine was, oh, you're pretty funny, Danny. You're Danny the funny guy. Oh, Danny's funny. And so I I picked that up from my friends and a couple of teachers, and I became the funny guy. So any situation I would go into, I'd be the funny guy. I'd always crack a joke. I drove my teachers nuts. Drove my coaches nuts. I was always trying to find the funny thing to say. Because that was the label that my friends gave me. I was, and then later on in high school, I became the, the risk taker, like the, the wild one. Oh, Danny will do anything, you know. He'll, he'll lick the bottom of his friend's shoe after he got one in the bathroom, you know, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I'll do it because I'm crazy. I'm the risk taker. I'm the wild one, you know. Somebody said, okay, well, who's going to funnel the first beer, you know. I'm like, I didn't know what the funnel, I didn't know what that meant, you know. So I was like, I'll do it. You know, I quickly found out what funneling does, you know what I mean. <laughs> because I was the risk taker. I was the first one to do it. You know, because that was the label that my friends gave me. We tend to, we tend to live from our labels, right? Oh, you're the, you're the smart kid. Oh, well, I, must, I must be the, you know, are you, are you the poor kid? Oh, poor, his, his family doesn't have money. And we get that label and we live from that. Some of it's dark. You know, you're the overweight kid, you know. The, the politically incorrect way to say that is, oh, that's, that's the fat kid. And then we receive that label and then we live from that. That's why God comes to Gideon and says, mighty hero. Because God knew that Gideon was like, no, no, not me. I mean, you must've got the wrong guy. I'm the least, I'm the smallest. I'm no mighty hero. Can I ask you a question today? It's a serious question. What labels have you been living from? And who gave them to you? A parent, a friend? What have they said about you that you've said, oh, yeah, okay, that's true about me? Let me ask you another question. Who has the right to label you? Who has the ultimate right? I mean, the Sunday school answer is Jesus, right? Go back to Sunday school, Jesus, that's always the answer. You know, (laughs) who said that? Jesus, oh, you're right. (laughs) Of course, the answer is Jesus, okay? But why is Jesus the answer? Three reasons. Number one, he's your maker. He's your maker. Think about it with me. Who has the right to label anything? Let's say Ford, Ford Motor Company comes out with a new model, a new car. They label it the Tiger. And then Honda comes along and says, no, no, we don't like Tiger. We, we, we like Panther. You need to call it the Panther. Can Honda do that? No, they can't because they didn't make the car. Ford made the car. Therefore, Ford has the right to label it. Your parents gave you your name. Why? Because your parents came together and they did what? They made you. I know we don't want to think about that right now. But it's true. Because your parents got together, they gave, no one else gave you your name. Why? Because they're your maker. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Three times God repeats himself. 
to confirm, to affirm this message. I made you from the dust of the ground, therefore I have the right to label you and name you. Who have you given the right to label you? What labels are you living from? Not only is he our maker, he's also our owner. I don't know if you think about God that way, but you need to because it's completely biblical. God is your owner. Why is he your owner? We're gonna talk about that in just a second. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter six. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and he was given to you by God? You do not, say it with me, belong to yourself. Did you know that you're on lease? You're, on, you're going back to the maker. You're going back to the owner. You don't belong to yourself. Your body, your soul, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your feet, it's all on lease. It's not yours. God owns you. My wife and I like to do a little vacation sometimes in southern Michigan, Sagatok and that area. Some of you may have been there, South Haven. It's beautiful. We, we look at the boats and all the boats, not all of them, but many of the boats have a name on the boat. You know, people name their boats. I didn't know that. Why? Who gives them the right to write words on the side of a boat? Some of them are silly. The owner does. They can do whatever they want with that boat because they own the boat. They can call it whatever they want to call it. Weird names, goofy names, because they own the boat. God is your owner. He's your maker. But not only that, he's also your purchaser. He's your purchaser. Listen to verse 20. Not only do you not belong to yourself, for God, say it with me, bought you with a price. Jesus Christ, the son of God, spilled his blood for you. And he purchased you. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. He bought you. Recently, my wife and I bought a dog. And we were going around talking about names. What should we name? We were asking the kids. We were asking friends. We were asking a lot of different people. We were just taking, taking polls. And this is a picture of our little guy. His name is Toby. No, 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 no. He's a devil. Don't, don't awe. Don't, don't. If you want him, talk to me after the service. Okay. He's cute, but man, there's a demonic spirit. <laughs> We're going to do an exorcism uh, uh, to this afternoon. So anyway, we took poll about what should we name him, what should we name him. You know, we had lots of different names going, the kids, and we ended up on Toby. Who do you think had the final say in the name? Yeah, it, it, was, it was me and Jackie. You want to know why? Because we, pay, we paid for him. We bought him, and he wasn't cheap, okay? So the purchaser, the purchaser has the power to name and to label. The owner labels, the creator labels. Who have you let label you? You're going to live from that label. Only God has the right to label you. And so God comes to Gideon, and he says, I need something big out of you. And he calls him mighty hero. So I asked my wife, Yesterday, I said, can you start calling me Mighty Hero? <laughs> because if you call me Mighty Hero, I might just start walking a little taller. I just might start doing a little bit more around here. <laughs> she hasn't done it yet. But anyway, <laughs> we live from our labels. But that's only half of the equation. Not only do we have to let God label us, we also have to trust in him. And I know that sounds so Sunday schoolish. Oh, yeah, come to church, trust in God. But it's not. It's so deep. It's so, it's so life-changing. 
And God knew that Gideon was going to have to go forth with the power that he put inside of him with this new label. But at the same time, he was going to have to trust in God. God wants this combination of of self-confidence and God-confidence. And so listen to what he says after Gideon says, oh, you got the wrong guy. I'm the weakest guy from the smallest clan. Listen to what God says. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. Relax. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Why? Because I'm coming with you. You're not going to be alone in this deal. And Gideon's like, hearing this like, okay, that's good. It's like hearing a sermon, but you're like, all right, that's fine. I don't really believe it, but. So he says to God, can, can you give me a little evidence here? He's, he's got, his insecurities are so deep, he needs more reassurance. He says, in fact, I'm going to go make a meal. You think about how you're going to prove it to me. I'll be back with him. And he goes off, Gideon leaves, and he comes back with this meal, and he makes a meal of a goat and some, some bread and stuff like that. The angel of the Lord sees this meal that Gideon makes. He takes his staff, he touches it, and all of a sudden, fire comes up and burns up the meal. And Gideon's like, oh, you are God. And there was this thing in the Old Testament that no one's allowed to see God and stay alive. And so he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And God's like, no, relax, I won't kill you. <laughs> I need you to fight the army. If I destroy you, I don't have a, you know, a deliverer. So, so you can stay alive. And Gideon is still not convinced. His insecurities run so deep that he's like, oh, I just, could, you, could you just show me one more sign? Just, just, just be, this is my paraphrase, of course. But this is the story. You can read it, Judges chapter 6 and 7. He says, hey, I got this sweatshirt here. If I, if I, here's the deal. If I throw it on the ground and we go to sleep, like when we wake up, could, could you make like the sweatshirt like soaking wet and all the ground around it dry from the dew? And if you do that, then I'll know that we're going to win this battle. God's like, okay, throw the sweatshirt out. So they do. They go to sleep. They wake up. The sweatshirt is soaking wet. All the ground around it is dry. It's so wet that Gideon takes the fleece, this sweatshirt, wrings it out and fills a whole bowl of water. He's like... Oh, man, that's good. Um, Lord, don't be angry with me, but I'm still struggling here. Uh, could you reverse this deal? Like, like, let's go to sleep and we'll throw the sweatshirt out again and, and let the sweatshirt be dry and, and, and the ground all around it be wet. And if you switch this little thing you just did, then I'll know. So insecure. And God, in his patience, says, that's fine. So they go to sleep, wake up the next morning, sweatshirt's completely dry, and all the ground around it is wet. And then he finally knows, okay, we're going to win this battle. So he gets on the horn, gets on the phone, starts texting his boys. (laughs) He gets this army together, about 32,000 guys. He's like, guys, we're going to war. The Lord's with us. It's going to work out. The only problem is the Midianites have 120,000 men, and Gideon's got 32,000 men, Okay. So it's like four to one odds or so. So they're in some trouble. So he's wanting to talk to God. So a conversation starts up. And uh, Gideon is like expecting, you know, more reinforcements. And God, God says to him something very different. He says, yeah, um, your army's too big. Gideon's like, huh, come again? Yeah, your army's too big. If you fight with 32,000 men, uh, Israel might think that uh, they won the battle on their own. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your army and tell whoever is scared to go to battle, whoever is afraid, tell them to go home. How many do you think went home, if you know the story? 22,000 of the 32,000 went home. Now they've got 10,000 men. 10,000 versus 120, those are not very good odds. Do you agree, yes or no? What is God doing here? Remember what he's doing, right? He wants Gideon to trust in him. 
Then God comes and says, yeah, I've been looking at your army, uh, 10,000 men, still too big. Gideon's like, what? Too big? We're, he's like 12 to 1, we're going we're gonna to die. He said, yeah, take all your men down to the river and have them drink. Here's what I want you to do. Anyone who gets down on the ground and drinks with their mouth to the water, I want you to send them home. Anyone who gets down on the ground and cups the water with their hand and drinks from their hand, that's your army. Guess how many men cupped the water and drank from their hand? The original 300. If you've seen the movie 300, this is the original. (laughs) Judges chapter 7, verse 7. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all of the others home. What? How do you take 300 men and defeat an army of 120,000? What was God doing? What does he want to do in your life? Remember, there's applications here to our lives. How do we overcome insecurity? Here's what he was doing. God was adding God confidence to Gideon's self-confidence. There's no doubt that God wants us to be self-confident. He calls a mighty hero. He says, go with the strength that you have. Each one of us have a label. We are labeled child of God. We are labeled loved one. We are labeled masterpiece. We, as children of God, we have labels. We need to live from those. But on top of that, God wants to add this other thing called God confidence, that man, I'm going into this situation and I am not alone. And so here's how the story shakes out. I don't have much time. There's 300 men, they divide them up into three different groups. And they go down to the, Midian, the Midianite camp at midnight. It's completely black. Each, each man has a torch. Each man has a clay jar. And each man has a horn. And at the exact same time when Gideon called it out, all three groups blew their horns, smashed their pot, raised their torch, and screamed at the top of their lungs, for the Lord and for Gideon. And here's what happened. The Midianites thought that they were surrounded by this gigantic army from all sides. They, they panicked. They turned on themselves. They started killing each other. And they started to, those who survived started to run. And they chased the Midianites out. Then, then Gideon gets on the horn and gets all the other clans behind him. And they chase the Midianites and defeat them in battle. You can read the rest of the story in, in chapter 7 when you get home. But they won the victory. What's the message here for you and I? Here's the deal. God doesn't want us to live in insecurity. He doesn't want to be that. He doesn't want us to be that person that doesn't try new things, that becomes completely self-centered, that's difficult to be around, that attaches ourselves to, to material possessions to somehow, you know, comfort our insecurity. He doesn't want us to be that person. He wants us to thrive he wants us to live in this tension of, of self-confidence and God-confidence. I mean, think about the, one of the most popular verses in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen to the combination. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do you see that combination? This is the tension that we live in. As we raise our families, as we work our jobs, we are not alone, but we also need to live from the labels that he's given us. Two questions as we wrap up. Who will you let label you? Will you let God label you? Will you let him say, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my loved one, you are my child? 
You are my masterpiece. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Who, who gets to label you? Your creator, your owner, and your purchaser. And then number two, who will you trust in? We don't go through this life alone. Like the whole, the whole invitation of Jesus Christ is very simple. It's God with you. Some call it kingdom living. Like around Christmas time, we use the word Emmanuel. It's the name of our church. It simply means God with us. The invitation of Christianity is, I want to be with you every single moment of your life, going with you, empowering you, doing the heavy lifting in your life. Who will you trust in? I'm telling you, living from the labels that you, that God has given you, and trusting in him is a powerful combination to overcome your insecurities. Now, it's my heart for every single one of you to live from the label that God has given you. Forgiven, loved one, masterpiece, child of God. That's my hope and desire. Jesus Christ gave his life to give you those labels. He died on the cross, he paid for your sins. He took the penalty on your behalf so that you, so that you can be relabeled as loved one, child of God, friend of God. And maybe today that's not your label, but you'd like it to be. In a few moments, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make that your label. Before we do that, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, all of our campuses right now. I wanna just spend some time worshiping God, telling God how much we love him and how, how we feel about him, how good he is to our heart. And then I'm gonna come back up here and give an invitation for you to perhaps today be relabeled. Would you remain standing with me at all of our campuses? Maybe today you would love for God to relabel you and say this about you, forgiven, child of God, friend of God, redeemed, so well, how do I get that label? Well, it's real simple. God has made it easy. Put your trust in Christ. He died for you on the cross to make it possible for all your sin to be washed away. It's a decision I made when I was 17 years old. It's changed my life forever. Will you let him relabel you today? Reach out to him in faith. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. That's why you came today. Take these words and make them your own. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer he loves to answer. Can I invite you to close your eyes and bow your head? If this is you right now, you feel God tugging on your heart saying, yes, this moment is yours. I created it for you. Take these words, talk to him. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin, to wash away all my shame and guilt my Savior right now. I put my trust in you. Make me your child. Relabel me right now. Fill me with your spirit. And from this day forward, help me to live from that label. Forgiven, cleansed, righteous, friend of God, child of God, masterpiece pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory? Come on, nice and loud.
Whatever campus you're at right now, uh, if you're watching online, we would love to put a New Believers Bible in your hand if you trusted Christ today in the back of the auditoriums, wherever you are online, there's a place to check there that says you trusted Christ. Grab one of these on the way out and begin reading it. It will transform your life. Hey, let, next week, really quick before you leave, next week we are wrapping up this series, Internal Enemies. We're gonna be talking about a fun one. Guess what it is? Yeah, you know it, lust. Okay, so it's gonna, we're gonna get into some fun stuff next week. You might wanna bring your friends to that one. That'll be a good one. So uh, let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. Lord, we love you. We got these internal enemies. We're tackling one each week. Anger, jealousy, fear, anxiety, shame. Today we talked about insecurity. Help us to, to beat these things so that they don't defeat us. For your honor and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. Bring a friend.